really wanna know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those. What's happening, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads webcast, brought to you by Trio 4 Productions, the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics and almostheavenathletics.com. Here today, we're going to recap the 10th game of the 2018 West Virginia football season, as well as later on previewing the 11th game of the West Virginia football season against the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, joining me, as always, is my co-host, who covers Mountaineer football and writes for almostheavenathletics.com, Stephen Vestal. What's going on today, Stephen? Not a whole lot. How you doing, bro? Uh, doing real good, man. Uh, sad over the loss, but um, anxious for the opportunity coming up against uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, same here. Same here, brother. All right. Having said that, let's get into uh, talking about this uh, loss to Oklahoma State in the uh, tenth game of the 2018 West Virginia football season. They fall to Oklahoma State, 45 to 41, to drop the Mountaineers to eight and two overall in the season and six and two in uh, Big 12 play. Um, tell two halves in this game, obviously. Um, what's your opening thoughts on uh, on this game, Stephen? Anything you want to uh, talk about specifically before we start talking uh, numbers and things that occurred in the game? Uh, the things that really jumps out to me is uh, the the adjustments that we continue to fail to make. Uh, Jake Spavital has a history of not making adjustments. I know we talked about it before. Uh, I just I don't understand what is at several D1 college programs now in Texas A&M and West Virginia, uh, a few other places. I don't I don't see you know why it's a, a, an occurring thing that keeps happening, especially with the talent that we have. Um, I know that I've never been on a team in my lifetime as bad as this, as some of the teams that I've played on. Um, I know that we've never been up 31-14 at halftime and let the team come back on us, so I don't understand what it is um, that makes makes it to where Jake Spavitt is the type of coordinator that can let that happen, but I don't think a stretch, a dive, and a sweep play um, pretty much every, every single uh, uh, drive is going to cut it. So that's, that's my uh, I think that, uh, if we don't get that corrected this weekend, it's going to be a long, a long Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You know, it's a game where you're going to have to have uh, perfect offense when you play Oklahoma. But, um, you know, uh, talking about that, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, um, I've been had some questions about Coach Spavitt Hall in the past, and I think, you know, even on the on the show before we've talked, that they did a really good job rebounding since the loss to Iowa State. And um, But it's like situationally is where the problems occur. It's – I don't know if it's when West Virginia gets a lead. He doesn't know whether to be too conservative or too aggressive or just can't find that happy medium or what it is exactly. But, um, you know, in the second half, I noticed a lot of uh, draw plays and delayed handoffs and, um, you know, counters, and which I didn't really understand considering you know, in the first half West Virginia had such success uh, just handing the ball off, hitting the hole quick, you know, just regular straight-on run plays. And they were running the ball great in the first half and terrible in the second half. They averaged, I think, six or seven yards per carry in the first half versus only 1.7 yards per carry in the second half. So that was a big concern. And, um, you know, I don't know uh, 
what the deal is there. You know, some of the play calls are very questionable. And um, my biggest gripe, other than in-game adjustments with uh, Coach Spavital, has always been uh, short yardage play calling. I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, you've seen it time and again through this season. You know, I don't know if he doesn't have any short yardage plays and just tries to run something on the spot or if he tries to get too creative when he just needs to pick up the yardage or what it is exactly. But uh, that's one of the biggest gripes I have is – short yardage play calling with him and, of course, in-game adjustments and calling plays with a significant lead. Yeah, and I, I know me and you have personally talked about it, and I know that uh, you know we kind of were excited for him there for a little while to come back and see what he did when he came back this time, and I just don't see any any difference in the way he coaches our offense now than what versus what he did previously at West Virginia. Right, I, I'm right there with you, and, um, you know, I think that it's a game where – in-game adjustments were a big issue for both coordinators, really, because if you look, you know, um, you know, I don't want to harp on Tony Gibson too much, but I don't think he should be, um, you know, left out of the conversation when the defense performed, you know, as rough they did in the, in the second half. Granted, the offense didn't do them any favors, had them on the field a lot, but Oklahoma State made really great halftime adjustments on offense, and, you know, they went four wide a lot, spread it out, ran the ball with Tuba Hubbard, and ran the ball with Cornelius, and for whatever reason, West Virginia seemed to not make any adjustments to that, much like uh, Spavadol failed to make adjustments on offense to the new things that Oklahoma State were doing defensively in the second half. They went to more of a, a lot more three-down looks in the second half and things like that, but I think both coordinators in this game uh, kind of catch some flack for uh, lack of adjustments when Oklahoma State did such a good job of making adjustments. Yeah, I think I think both of them uh, both of them does tell a job. Excuse me. Um, it was definitely a great offensive performance to watch for both sides. Uh, defensively, not so much. I thought West Virginia's defense turnovers, and uh, we were actually plus three in the turnover margin. So um, I think it really just comes down to uh, I think it really came down to our running game. Uh, honestly, to me anyway, that's what the way I seen it. It really came down to our running game at the end of the day, uh, not performing. As, as good as they could have, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so too, especially in that second half. But um, he did average seven yards a carry though, and he had two touchdowns. So yeah, McCoy had it. Horrible. So he had but. a great day, specifically in the first half. But he also made some plays in the in the receiving game. But you know, it was a career hard, career high yardage and rushing for him. And you know, he had a, he had a solid game all around. But I think that it's just more, um, you know, like I said earlier, situationally and. And it's really funny because, you know, you look at the stats and it's almost, yeah, the defense gave up like 600 total yards to Oklahoma State, but when you look at the box score, you know, it's almost one that you think West Virginia would have certainly won. You know, if I'd have told you last week that they won the turnover battle, four turnovers, you know, versus only committing one themselves and forcing Oklahoma State into four and put up 41 points, you'd probably think that it was, you know, an easy victory, but it just wasn't the case. And... You know, I, I wrote that uh, preview article there for almost having athletics.com for the game, and in it I, I mentioned that West Virginia um, had won 21 consecutive games under Coach Holgerson when they led at the half, and that, you know, this snapped that streak, obviously, when they had that 31-14 to 14 lead, and then also that since 2002, West Virginia had a record of 86-11 and 11 when they won that turnover battle, which, of course, is now 86-12, and 12, so just... You know, both of those things on their own is really mind-boggling that both of those occurred that I felt were keys to the game and that West Virginia still, you know, didn't find a way to win it in the end. Yeah, I think it was probably one of the ones uh, who 
who came out with the win at the end. I really thought West Virginia was going to um, connect on that last pass. Um, I might have a biased opinion. I really thought that that might have been pass, interfer- pass interference. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I digress. Um, no, it's really it's really interesting because I've always said throughout the season if West Virginia scores 35 points, they're going to win the game because the defense is going to hold the rest of it. But um, that wasn't the case in this one. Uh, like I said, it's the, the weirdest game that I've that I've probably ever watched. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm right there with you. You know, at, you know, Oklahoma State scored to take the lead with 42 seconds left in the game, and up until that point, West Virginia had led the entire way. So, for 59 minutes and 18 seconds out of a 60-minute game, West Virginia had held the lead. So it's yeah, it's a very strange game that you know, and that I think is what uh, makes the made the loss feel so devastating. Uh, to Mel Near fans, really, is not just the fact that they lost, but the way in which they lost, and then accompany that with the fact that Texas did go on to win later that night as well. So it's like if you just hold on to a lead for 42 more seconds, you're already in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one to swallow. Yeah, it, it it is. You know, it's 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 nothing. It's nothing like you know. People compare it to that 07 pig game, and it's nothing like that. That 07 pig game, we played a horrible football game. We played no offense. We played horrible defense. Uh, I'm surprised the score for Pitt in that game was as low as it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game, we I thought we played very well. I thought even in the second half, even though we didn't score anything in the third quarter, uh, and only ten in the fourth quarter, I thought you know we did a fairly well, a fair uh, you know. A fair job, I guess you could say. We didn't do a great job. Mm-hmm. But uh, we didn't play bad, I didn't think. Uh, I thought we played good enough to win. Uh, their stadium wasn't even 75% full, I don't think, so I don't think it was a crowd factor. Uh, if anything, if you want to say it's a crowd factor, I think, you know, <laughs> they, they were kind of disappointed that they didn't get, get to play in front of more people. I think that's one of uh, Greer and Seal's favorite thing to do is quite a crowd. Yeah. <laughs> They talked about that during the Texas game. So, um, if anything, you could attribute it to that. But I don't – yeah, I, I have no – I've been, you know, trying to come up with what could have been the answer for the, the reason for the loss. And I still – I just – I can't come up with one. It's yeah, – I it's, probably won't ever know. <laughs> no it's, one will ever know. It's one that truly leaves you speechless, you know. And, um, yeah. Like you said, West Virginia got up that 31-14 to 14 lead at halftime, and a lot of them Oklahoma State fans left the building. And so you you really got the feeling that, you know, West Virginia was on their way to a solid victory, double-digit victory probably. But, you know, Oklahoma State just made those adjustments, and even with the diminished crowd, outscored West Virginia 31-10 to 10 in the second half and came away with the win, which was, you know, their fourth straight victory over West Virginia, actually. So, you know, it's, it hurts even more. West Virginia hasn't beat this team since uh, 2014. But uh, going going – back and looking at some things you know like you said it's really hard to put your finger on um what went wrong exactly you know you can point to any number of things um but a couple things that really stood out to me and one of the main things was um West Virginia inability to score in the red zone especially in the second half had the ball in the red zone three times and only got three points out of those with those three points coming after Oklahoma State fumbled that punt return and the West Virginia Mountaineer offense didn't really move the ball any but was already right there in in the red zone so was able to kick a field goal. So three points with three possessions in the red zone, that hurts. Um, um, 
what what do you think? You know, uh, would you agree that that is one of the main factors, or is there something else that stood out even more to you, maybe? Because I know there's numerous things you can look at as you know potential reasons. You know, it's a game of inches, especially in a game that's close, decided on the last play. No, actually, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think uh, I don't. I think it's more than three. But I think we left uh, what fourteen points out on the, on the field. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's a bunch of points we could we could have scored and had we had opportunities to win this football game. Uh, I I really hate to blame anything on the refs. I always hate to do that, but uh, <laughs> there's a couple times you you really just scratch your head when the, you know I can understand if a ref is standing in the way and he's he doesn't see a player running towards him, but if you see a player running towards you and you run straight for that player, that's a little uh, head scratcher there. Um, so there's, there's a couple little things, but uh, West Virginia had plenty of chances to win this football game other than that. Uh, I think we just continue to shoot ourselves in the foot. We, we continue to get penalties at the wrong times. We can't get executed in the red zone at the right times, which is what it's supposed to be, our bread and butter. And I think we just uh, – I, I think we get in our own heads too much. We just kill ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. As well, you know, I don't know if we get a lead and let our foot off the gas, you know, the players and coaches alike, but um, it's definitely something. And like I said, there's a lot of things you could point to, you know, some questionable calls in this one, definitely. But West Virginia still had a chance to win it, um, not only at the end, but, you know, you got the feeling just through that second half that if West Virginia could just get, you know, one turnover or one stop, they would be, you know, all right there towards the end in the fourth quarter, or if they could just score you know, one more touchdown or something. I think that uh, Coach Holgerson had that feeling as well as you see him uh, go to for fourth, go forward on fourth down a lot. And, you know, I think that even that one time when he was going to go forward on fourth down on his own side of the field with the lead with like two minutes left, he knew that just if we get this first down, Oklahoma State doesn't have any timeouts, um, we, we're probably going to win this game. So, you know, of course, false start occurred uh, by David Seals. They didn't get to do it. And then a short punt, which helped uh, lead Oklahoma State to their game. What? Well, ended up being the game-winning score, but I think, you know, it's just not only the fans, but the coaches got that feeling as well. They just needed to get, you know, that one drive or, or that one score, just, you know, that one play to get the win and just couldn't do it, and that's kind of what makes it uh, such a devastating loss. You know, you mentioned that 07 pit game, and I agree. It's not not anything near like that, West Virginia's performance. West Virginia's performance wasn't really bad in this game, but I think it's the most probably devastating loss from a fan perspective uh, since that one. Oh, absolutely. Um I just want to make a comment. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head who the uh, that was on that play that that uh, let the receiver in on that one touchdown. But I don't, I don't know how you let a guy that you you have your arms around tackling you let him jump five yards into the end zone with you on his back. That's a quite incredible leg strength on the receiver by Oklahoma State. And pretty poor tackling on West Virginia's part. <laughs> so. Yeah, seemed seemed like they were just going for uh, – he was just going for the strip there on that play. But, uh, you know, Tylen Wallace made a play. And I think that, you know, I felt like Oklahoma State was going to score. So, I mean, I, I was just hoping that they could hold him to a field goal maybe and, you know, uh, let it be a tie game rather than um, – take the lead but uh you know it was also a situation where you're pretty confident in Will Greer to uh lead a lead a last minute drive you know he's he's done it before and you know he about he pretty much did it again and you know that last drive getting all the way down to the 14 and having one play but um a big talking point has been uh lack of timeouts on that final drive by West Virginia um 
you know, it's kind of been a thing that people have harped on Dana about a lot is, um, you know, not using timeouts. But uh, he's pretty confident in his team. Doesn't feel like he needs them a lot, really, I guess. But, you know, after Will Greer made that run and stayed in bounds, you know, I think it was maybe 15 seconds or so ticked off the clock. Um, you think not using a timeout right there hurt West Virginia, or do you think it's kind of a non-factor considering they still made it uh, down there and had a shot at the end zone? No, I definitely think it's a factor. I think if you call that timeout, like you said, you leave 15 seconds on the clock, that leaves you more time to, uh, to develop a play. That leaves you more time if you even you know throw an incomplete pass like what happened. You still have the opportunity to have maybe one, maybe two more plays. I mean, possibly even three, depending on what kind of play you run. Uh, so, yeah, I think West Virginia, I think they could have used, I think Dana could use um, those timeouts a, a lot better. I don't like to gripe on Dana a lot because I think a lot of his decisions – uh, are good decisions, but I, I think he could have made better ones with those. I, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, probably should have pulled, you had two timeouts, should have probably pulled one of those. And, you know, like I said, you had the one shot at the end zone from, you know, 14 yards away, but uh, you could have had two shots from there or even, uh, you know, take a play, get half those yards from the 14 and have an even closer shot there on that on that final play. But, um you know, to no avail, you know, you hindsight's twenty twenty. You can look back and uh, say they should have done this and should have done that, especially in a close game. But, um, you know, outcome as it is, West Virginia, um, strangely enough, it may have kind of worked out in their favor. I don't really know, um, you know, how if – you know, if that's the right uh, wording to put it, you know, coming up from a loss. But uh, the thing of it is now, though, if West Virginia beats Oklahoma – they don't have to play. Probably are not going to have to play Oklahoma in back-to-back weeks unless you know the unthinkable happens and Kansas upsets Texas. But um, you know, it, it kind of is a blessing in disguise. Maybe if you're looking for a silver lining that West Virginia only needs to beat Oklahoma once now and won't have to play them in back-to-back weeks. Uh, wouldn't you think? A little bit, yeah. I think it, it's all it's a silver lining in one token, but also not in another. Because uh, Texas isn't going to be an easy game. I don't think that um, I don't I don't think it's going to be anything short of what the first game was. I think it's gonna, if we get to play Texas, it's going to be just as much of a game as the first one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's going to be uh, tough going for West Virginia if they make it to that Big 12 championship, uh, regardless probably. But um, having said that, we'll wrap up uh, recapping this Oklahoma State um game with our players of the game. Um, I know we usually do offense and defense, but I figured, you know, uh, we could just go with just one. So, um, you know, either offense or defense, who's your player of the game uh, for West Virginia and Gabe 10 against Oklahoma State? Uh, I think uh, I think I got to give it to Willie G. I think as, as bad as we looked in the second half, I think, you know, he still showed hard. He still, he still showed fight. He's, you know, he got the ball in his hands and ran it in on that last touchdown. And he almost won it again on that last drive, I think. Uh, if it wasn't for him, we probably wouldn't have got as close as we did on that final drive because no, I don't. I, I, the way that I've seen it, our receivers didn't go up and catch the ball all night long. They didn't try to be aggressive all night. I think the only reason that they called what they did was because we replaced the ball where he did, and so for that reason alone, I give him the player of the game. Yeah, I I think so. Um, I agree with your statement about the receivers. You know, I think that the. You know, the physicality that the Oklahoma State corners showed um, really got to them. And they, you know, they mentioned, you know, Dana mentioned his press conference, and I heard David Seals talking about it uh, when he met with the media this week as well, that, you know, those guys got really physical with them and it kind of maybe frustrated them a little bit. And they tried to just get physical back rather than using their technique to beat the guys like they have in the past. And 
that's kind of been the bugaboo for these uh, West Virginia receivers thus far this season. Uh, both losses against Iowa State and Oklahoma State, they got physical play from the corners. So that's something that they need to work on. But the bright side of that is they're probably not going to uh, encounter that against Oklahoma this coming week. But um, I, I like what you said about Will Greer. You know, you always feel good with the game in his hands, especially at the end. And he did lead West Virginia down and uh, showed uh, toughness and resiliency throughout this game, like much like he has throughout his career. But uh, for my player of the game, I, I went with Kennedy McCoy just because, um, you know, the career-high day he had, 148 yards rushing on 21 carries for two touchdowns and then also added three receptions for 54 yards in this one. So I thought it was a really good performance by Kennedy McCoy, and I think he's coming on and getting hot at the right time for West Virginia here towards the end of the season. Hopefully he can continue that against a uh, poor Oklahoma defense coming up. But um, having said that, I guess we'll pretty much uh, put a bow on Oklahoma State if you don't have anything else to add, Stephen. I would have loved to avoid talking about it altogether, but I guess we're kind of obligated to do so. But um, let's put it in the books, put it behind us, much like uh, West Virginia's players and coaches have, and uh, look on to uh, the big opportunity coming up against Oklahoma in Game 11 for the Mountaineers. All right, so... West Virginia will take on Oklahoma in the final regular season game. Uh, West Virginia comes into the game number 12 in the uh, college football, uh, I mean, excuse me, number 13 in the college football playoff rankings and number 12 in the AP poll and coaches poll, whereas Oklahoma sits number 6 in those polls. Uh, West Virginia is 8-2, and 6-2 and two in Big 12 play. Oklahoma is 10-1 and one and 7-1 and one in Big 12 play. Um, games Friday night night game, 8 o'clock p.m. in Morgantown. Going to be televised on ESPN. It is senior night. Huge matchup. Huge implications. Winner not only takes first place in the Big 12 regular season, but goes on to the conference championship game. Um, opening thoughts on this one, Stephen, before we get into uh, some of the details? Uh, I'm not really sure um, what to expect in this one. I don't, like, like I say, I, I I don't know whether to expect the team from that we saw last week in the second half or last week in the first half. Uh, West Virginia ha- has played a lot better at home this year than they have on the road, so I mm-hmm. guess that's upside. But they just have not played well against running quarterbacks, and they're going to face the best one, in, in my mind, the best one in the country in Kyler Murray this week and, and Friday night. Yeah, that's they haven't played good against running quarterbacks. And then, you know, to, to add to that, they, they haven't played good against Oklahoma in general, you know, anyway, so haven't beat them since joining the Big 12, 0-6 going into this one, um, so that's tough, and then like you said, uh, Kyler Murray's most impressive player they've played all season, arguably the best player in college football, and, you know, the Oklahoma defense, um, not very good at all, but the Oklahoma offense is absolutely outstanding, you know, averaging 50 points a game, 576 yards per game, and 8.8 yards per play. So, you know, the crazy thing is, last year, Oklahoma had a fantastic offense with Baker Mayfield, went to the college football playoff, and you thought they would take a step back, and somehow they have improved even more offensively um, this season, which is really hard to believe. Um, what's your thoughts on this Oklahoma st- Oklahoma offense, rather? Lights out, 580 yards a game. <laughs> they, they, no one's been able to stop them all year. As bad as the defense has been, their offense is just that much better. 
if you want to talk about comparing any team to the 2012 West Virginia team, that Oklahoma team right there is a the team to do it to. Uh, that, <laughs> I think that team is the 2012 West Virginia team on steroids when you look at it. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter if their defense gives up 100 points. Their offense is going to score 101 and just make up that much more. Uh, so yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be – I honestly don't think it's going to be a fun one to watch on Friday night. I hope that I'm wrong. I really do. Uh, you know me. I'll be screaming my head off. But I, I've, what I've watched out of this team all year long, I've just watched Kyler Murray decimate people left and right. And uh, even in the Texas game, he did it. And just given the, how West Virginia's played against the running quarterback all year long, I just I think that uh, it, it all comes down to that. Absolutely, I think so too. This offense is absolutely outstanding, especially when you think of how bad the defense has been and the fact that Oklahoma is still a great team despite that defense just shows you how amazing this offense has been for Oklahoma. You know, I heard a stat um, today that they have only punted 26 total times this season, and that's an unbelievable stat on its own just because most teams, you know, punt that much and, you know, three games probably I mean three to four games so I mean 26 times in 11 games that's that's pretty crazy stat there and um, you know we mentioned Kyler Murray I want to talk more about him here um, later later on in a little bit but uh, some of the other key players for Oklahoma uh, Trey Sermon uh, the running back 132 carries 851 yards averaging over six uh, six yards a carry 10 touchdowns um, he is questionable to play in this game. Uh, was out last week after I think a series, and you know that's kind of been their mo this year. At running back is losing people to injury. Uh, lost Rodney Anderson and Marcellus Sutton to season-ending injuries. But you know it doesn't really matter who's been playing. They've been doing outstanding. The other running back, Kennedy Brooks, shows 82 carries for 811 yards, averaging 10 yards per carry, and has 11 touchdowns. So it really almost doesn't matter who they got in there at running back. They've been finding success despite. Um, you know, having a rotating group there. So um, what do you think about this Oklahoma running game? And, of course, you know, you can add Kyler Murray into that as well with his threat. Uh, like I said, we'll talk more about him here in a little bit. But the Oklahoma running game is uh, definitely a threat just as well as the passing game. So um, any thoughts on the Oklahoma run game? Yeah, I think the running game is going to be uh, the thing to watch more so than the passing game. West Virginia not really defending the run uh, or – He's defending the one better than the pass right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how West Virginia's defense handles their running game and how well, uh, you know, which one overpowers the other one. Uh, like I said in my earlier statement, I don't think that it's going to be uh, a good fight for West Virginia on that side of the ball just because, I, like you said, they no matter who they throw in there, it's just been the same thing no matter what name's on the back of that jersey. They just keep pounding it down your throat every single game. Like you said, Kyler Murray's right in there, too. Yeah. I think he runs it just as much as the running backs does. He probably looked at, it, looked at it on paper. Absolutely. I think he's probably even faster than they are, too. It's a crazy oh, thing. And then, you know, um, one of the things from West Virginia's defense that's been, um, you know, impressive, even though they've struggled at times, is um, they're one of only two teams in the country that hasn't given up a play of longer than 50 yards uh, yet this season. So um, sad to say that may come to an end against Oklahoma as they have a couple big play receivers and, you know, of course the running game as well. But looking at those big play receivers, you have C.D. Lamb, 46 catches, 829 yards, nine touchdowns. And then, of course, the uh, most impressive one is Marquise Hollywood Brown, 
1,027 yards and only 59 catches and eight touchdowns. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, these Oklahoma receivers and their explosiveness? Uh, the explosiveness. Uh, they're, they're quick, man. Uh, you know, we talk about West Virginia's receivers and how good they are. Uh, you know, a thousand a thousand yards already. That's that's saying something, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fifty nine receptions. Uh, that's a lot of yak yards, I guess <laughs> you could say. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, our secondary hasn't done well against the pass, uh, especially in late game situations. Uh, that team, they're not going to let up all four quarters. Uh, so we're going to have to come. Our our secondary is really going to have to come to play. And uh, Marcus Brown. Uh, you just have to watch for him all night. I don't know if we're going to have to double-team him. I don't know what's going to be the answer. Uh, but you're definitely going to have to watch out for him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the most impressive part. Crazy. Yeah, the, and the most impressive thing is that just the way that Lincoln Riley coaches this offense is really phenomenal and it's impressive. You know, you watch some of their games and some film on them and you see just the way he schemes things up and sets up different formations and sets up different plays, and somehow these guys end up wide open, you know, in space. And um, I think a lot of that credit goes to Lincoln Riley and just the things he's done for this offense. He's really an impressive coach when it comes to scheming up offense. But for as impressive as the Oklahoma offense has been, the defense of Oklahoma has struggled just as much Um the offense is tops in the country in about every category, while the Oklahoma defense is near the bottom and at the bottom of the Big 12 in a lot of categories as well. They're giving up four, over 425 yards per game and over 30 points per game. And they gave up 524 total yards to Kansas last week when Kansas is averaging about 200 or so uh, yards per game less than that. And then they also allowed Kansas to score 40 points, which is the first time Kansas has scored 40 points since 2010. So, you know, for as good as this Oklahoma offense has been, the defense has been uh, just as bad. You know, um, you got to think it's going to be a high-scoring affair when you look at uh, this Oklahoma defense, wouldn't you think? Oh yeah, I think uh, I think we're definitely going to see fifty plus from both teams in this one. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. You know, um, right now, you know, McCoy and Petaway, both uh, the West Virginia running backs, are averaging six yards per carry, and then you know you have David Sills and Gary Jennings who are first and second respectively in the Big Twelve in receiving touchdowns. So West Virginia has the weapons on offense, and of course, you know, Will Greer, Marcus Sims, guys like that to. Uh, produce on this uh, Oklahoma defense, especially when you see, you know, what a struggling Kansas offense did against them. So West Virginia should be able to produce some fireworks. It's just, uh, I think it's going to come down to which team can maybe force turnovers or just get a stop or two. You know, it's it's kind of the same thing that you mentioned last week going into the Oklahoma State game with their explosive offense, except Oklahoma is even more explosive. But, you know, defensively, it's kind of the same, uh, same recipe, really. Yeah, I think uh... – I think it really will come down to whoever has the ball last in this one. I think it's going to, it's going to probably be within a, a field goal. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it's going to be another close one. You know, I, I think back to the that 2012 uh, West Virginia-Oklahoma game, you know, when Tavon had that uh, amazing night there. And I think that's the closest West Virginia has been to Oklahoma since being in the Big 12. And I think this, again, is maybe the closest they'll be able to come again to a victory you know they scored late with about two minutes to go in that one but then Oklahoma scored with I think you know 15 to 20 seconds left to win it by one 50 to 49 so I think you're looking at a game maybe similar in that not only in scoring but in how close uh, the game is as well 
Yeah, and I think another factor is probably going to be um, probably what nobody's really talking about at this point in uh, in the weather. Uh, you know, the last time Oklahoma came to Morgantown, it was I think uh, minus. Uh, it was under twenty degrees, I believe, and it was a blurry. Uh, oh yeah. Blizzard. A blizzard of a snowstorm came through, uh, so much so that I I remember that I couldn't really see see the field whenever kickoff uh, finally came around, and then they waxed us. They they beat I think it was twenty eight to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, I know uh, it was it was twenty eight to nothing, and then I think it got up to thirty four to nothing maybe. But you know, Western battled back in that one up to within like fourteen, I believe, but just wasn't yeah. enough. And that's kind of been you know I mentioned two thousand twelve West Virginia was close to Oklahoma. And then 2013, there was a defensive battle. I think it was like, uh, I don't know, 13 to seven. The final score ended up being, or something like that. But that's like the only defensive battle battle they've had since joining the Big 12. But you know, since those two games, it's really not been close against Oklahoma. And I think in the last two games against West Virginia, Oklahoma's offense is averaging something like 57 points. So you know, you kind of expect more of that again this year. But just hopefully, West Virginia finally has the. Um, experienced guys to not let those past performances and the fact they haven't beat Oklahoma get in their heads and, and hang with them in this one and, you know, hopefully have have a good close game this time. Um, you know, because I think that's a big issue that has been with Oklahoma, you know, at least the past two to three years is the fact that they haven't beaten them and they've kind of let that get, in t- get into their heads. And you've seen that with uh, pregame uh, scuffles against Oklahoma, guys trying to pick fights with them and, you know, pick fights with them after plays. And, you know, Oklahoma just kind of laughs it off because, you know, what, why are we talking smack to them and trying to start things with them when we haven't even been able to beat them? So hopefully we can let them get out of our heads and got enough senior-laden guys to just treat it like business and go out there and, you know, try and uh, make it a better game. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, unfortunately, I've, I've noticed that West Virginia, this uh, the, the players on this West Virginia team, they, they love to get in everybody's face. I've noticed that they've done that pretty much with every team that they've played. I know that they've done it with every team they played on the road. They try to get in people's head and they're, uh, you know, drawing with other teams on the other sidelines and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. I think that they should just play football and just leave it out on the field. But, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, the players in college nowadays, you know, talking's part of the game. So I guess that comes with it in, in some ways. But uh, I'm with you. I wish they would just, just, you know, come out there and play for business. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, if, if they're if they're gonna talk, hopefully they they at least back it up this year and, and you know don't get don't get blown out. You know, at least keep it a respectable game and keep it close and have a chance at the end. Right, right. So, um, uh, like I said, I think that uh, I think that it being a warmer game this week, I, think, I really think that's gonna help us. Oh yeah. I think so too. You know, ideal weather because if anything could slow these two offenses down, it would be you know rain or snow or, or heavy wind or something like that. So if you're looking to see uh, you know offensive show, you know you want ideal weather, especially if you want West Virginia's offense to be able to uh, keep pace. So I think that the weather is going to be uh, just just right probably for for this one for what you want to to see. So um, you know, having said that, you know, talk about this explosive offense, Oklahoma offense a little bit. Um, West West Virginia offensively, you know, Oklahoma had a – of course, they lost to Texas, but that was a game where Texas jumped out on them early and Oklahoma had to come back. Other than that, you know, one of the only other games that Oklahoma struggled in was against Army. And Army, you know, they ended up beating Army 28-21 to in a game that went to overtime. But Army's formula in that game was to possess the ball a lot. And, you know, I think they took off 12 to 13 minutes in the second quarter alone, and Oklahoma only had the ball for, I think, 
right at 40 plays total in the game. And so my question to you is, West Virginia has shown to be most successful this year when they go at a fast tempo and, and move quick on offense. But uh, conversely, Oklahoma is a team you want to keep the ball out of their hands. So do you think it's West Virginia's? it would be better for them to play to their strengths and go fast tempo and risk scoring quick and getting the ball to Oklahoma quick and getting into a shootout with them? Or do you think they'd be better suited to try and slow the game down, have longer drives, and hopefully score and keep the ball out of Oklahoma's hands? I mean, what bodes better in, in this game? Um, I, I believe we should. I, I believe our to hold the ball and keep it out of Oklahoma's hands. However, um, I don't believe that we are good at doing that. I just don't believe that West Virginia is the type of team to slow the game down and be able to run the ball for short yardage plays and be able to pick up first downs every time like that to be able to, you know, chuck it away at clock. Uh, the, the, every time they try to do it, they go three and out. They just don't I, – I, for whatever reason, they're not good at slowing the game down like mm-hmm. that. They're more of an explosive offense. So um, I, I think they should slow the game down. I don't think they will slow the game down. I think, like you said, it's going to be it's going to be a shootout. I think both teams are going to be playing their hearts out. Uh, both offenses are going to be giving everything they have. It's going to be – a really, really high-scoring affair, uh, and I think West Virginia just has to depend on how well they play on offense versus, you know, or you know, also on defense how well they hold their offense, which you're not going to be able to. So you just got to be able to score the points. Yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you. That's that's kind of the hard part, uh, you know, for West Virginia is slowing the game down and keeping out Oklahoma State would really benefit Oklahoma's hands. Rather, would really benefit them. But at the same time, that's when we've seen West Virginia struggle this season is when they've built big leads and had to try and slow the game down. That's when we've seen them go bog out, go three and out, uh, struggle to move the ball. And, you know, when we've seen them move the ball the best was is late two-minute situations. You've seen it against Texas, and you've seen it in those last 40 seconds against Oklahoma State. They've struggled to move the ball that whole second half, but then in those 40 seconds got right down the field. So it's when the West Virginia offense plays fast, they're at their best. So... I think that's probably the you know their best move is to just play their game and hope that West Virginia's defense can create force a turnover or, or cause a stop you know some, somewhere along the way to where they get an advantage because I think it's a game where West Virginia's defense is going to have to get you know a stop or two and West Virginia's going to have to have a basically a perfect game on offense to be able to win this one. Oh, absolutely, and I think that that's um, that's a lot of the reason that West Virginia has to play with their back up against the wall because they have to play fast. And whenever they, you know, have to play conservative and slow the game down, that's whenever they start to struggle. And uh, so, yeah, I think, like you said, they're going to have to have a, you know, a, not a, if you don't have a perfect game, you've got to have a damn near perfect game. Because if you don't, it's going to be, it's going to be a long one. Because if you let Oklahoma get even just a two-score, you know, two-possession lead on you, it's going to be a wrap fast. Yeah, absolutely, because they're, you know, you're going to be lucky to stop them, you know, a handful of times throughout the game. So it's going to be a game where you're going to have to have as close as perfect performance you can get on offense and then have the ball bounce your way a couple times on defense, whether that's a turnover on downs, you know, a few third down stops or just forcing a turnover in general, um, holding them to field goal. Something's going to have to bounce your way on defense to be able to um, get the win against these guys. But, um Having said that, I know we I mentioned we talk about it a little bit uh, later on, and I want to talk about uh, Kyler Murray now, and more specifically the matchup between uh, Will Greer and Kyler Murray. You know, this is going to be probably one of the best quarterback matchups we've seen 
on Mountaineer Field between uh, two really great quarterbacks. Uh, actually, they're both transfers, which is um, kind of ironic. You know, Kyler Murray transferred from Texas A&M. Will Greer transferred from Florida, so both transfers from the SEC to the Big 12. But, um, you know, they're both in the Heisman race. Both got a chance to be finalists. I, I'd say Kyler Murray's definitely going to be a finalist, and Will Greer um, has a good case as well. But they're also two of the three finalists, along with Tua Tungavailoa, for the Maxwell Award, awarded to the best player in college football at the uh, season awards at the end of the season. So, you know, looking at this matchup, Will Greer's 3,325 yards, 33 touchdowns. Kyler Murray, 3,310 yards, 34 touchdowns, and he's also ran for 739 yards and 10 touchdowns. So it's going to be a heck of a matchup between these two guys. Don't you Don't you agree? No, oh, without a doubt. Uh, uh, they're both they're, they're pretty different quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Greer, he can run the ball, as we all know, but he's more of, you know, a stand a standing passer. And Curry, you know, obviously, or, I mean, Kyler Murray is obviously a runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them are great in – in their own way, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a matchup to remember in terms of quarterback battles, man. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Absolutely, you know, um, specifically talking about Kyler Murray now, um, what does he bring to the table? Because I would argue that this offense with him is even more dangerous than the offense with Baker Mayfield, and that's really crazy to say considering Baker Mayfield won the Heisman last year and took Oklahoma to the college football playoff uh, back-to-back season. So, I mean, what do you see from Kyler Murray? Uh, everything. I think there's nothing on the football. He can, there's nothing he can't do. Uh, he can throw the ball. He can run the ball. He's probably the fastest player that I've seen on a football field in years, mm-hmm. uh, and that's at any position. Um, just the way he plays is it's so dynamic. I've never, I, I haven't, I, I haven't seen anybody run the ball at the quarterback position like that probably since. Uh, I don't know, Pat White, uh, I don't know, right. Lamar Jackson at Louisville ran the ball that well. Uh, he might be even better than him. Uh, he's just elusive. He, he's hard to tackle. He's hard to bring down. And he's just a winner. He just propels them to a win every single week. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. There's nothing more you can uh, You can't say enough about the kid. He's just a great player. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, he's a winner. I think he went uh, 43-0 and in high school in Texas, the only uh, quarterback in Texas to ever go undefeated all four years. And that's um, in college so far. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that, you know that's a big accomplishment, especially in Texas where they play you know um, really high level high school football, and then you know here in in college he's doing the same thing again, you know, uh, pretty much, and it's just really impressive. Like you said, he's the best runner I've seen in quite some time, and he's so elusive and so fast, but he also throws the ball accurately you know he has a 70 percent completion rating which is even higher than Greer's which is a 67 percent and Kyler Murray can can do things you're not really supposed to do it doesn't matter if he's running right or left he can throw the ball back across the field he can throw it down the field and it's accurate 90 percent of the time uh, like you said he's just doing things that you know are, are virtually unheard of and unseen on a football field and I uh, can't say enough about Kyler Murray like you said he's really impressive but uh, talking about Will Greer now, um, you know, it's going to be senior night. It's going to be his final game at Mountaineer Field. And, you know, we talked a little bit about his legacy um, previously, but he's second in uh, school history in 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 touchdowns and, um, you know, passed uh, Geno Smith for most 300-yard games in a career last game. You know, 
this guy in a little under two years has really, um, you know, broke a lot of records. So, I mean, just imagine if we'd have had Will Greer and been had the pleasure of having him all four years, how many records he would have shattered, you know. Oh, he would have obliterated every single record that he came close to, I promise. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think there was a Mountaineer fan that didn't expect him to be great whenever they heard that he was transferring to us from Florida. Um, you can't say enough about him either. He's been great in every single game pretty much that he's played, except for I mean, you can make an argument that the Iowa State game this year was a, a bad game. But uh, I honestly think that he's gave his all every single time he's put on a uniform for us. Uh, it's going to be sad to see his last game up there. Um, but I, I think uh, I think he, he too, he's a winner, uh, you know, as much as Kyler is. He, he doesn't – he hates to lose. Um, I don't know, man. He's a, he's a great player, a great a great person in general. And uh, Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be sad to see him go. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I think so too. But, you know, talking about his legacy a little bit more – um, specifically, you know, he's he's one of going to go down as one of the greats at West Virginia already. But if he can pull off this win against Oklahoma and get West Virginia into the Big 12 championship game, um, beat a fellow Heisman contender in Kyler Murray, and, you know, like I said, get West Virginia into their first Big 12 title game and also give them their first ever first-place finish in the Big 12 regular season standings, um, you got to think he's going to go down as an absolute legend even more so than, than he is now. It, it'll just give him that legendary status, wouldn't you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it'd be the first Big 12 Conference Championship that we won, like you said. Um, and we haven't won a Conference Championship since the, since the Big East days. And, uh, you know, winning the Big East Championship back then was a big deal, yeah. But uh, I, I don't think that you could even compare that to winning a Big 12, a Big 12 Championship against the likes of Texas and Oklahoma and, uh, and teams like that. I, I think it'd be pretty special. Absolutely. It'd be right up there, I believe, with uh, the uh, the basketball team winning the Big East Championship in 2010. I, th- I think so, too. And, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, how big of a task this is going to be for West Virginia. But, um, you know, they haven't beat Oklahoma since they've joined the Big 12. But they did beat Oklahoma in 2008 in the Fiesta Bowl. And I, I bring that up just to say, to make this point that, you know, kind of uh, – it gave me a little hope when I, when I realized it. You know, we talked about how devastating the loss to Oklahoma State was, and it's the most devastating since that loss in 07, uh, you know, that final game of the season, which we all know about. We won't get into that specifically. But the thing is, following that devastating loss in 2007, the next game West Virginia played Oklahoma in a game nobody thought they would win, and that's the last time they beat Oklahoma. So, I mean – if history repeats itself like they say it does, this is scenarios kind of setting up in a similar fashion. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, and uh, and also I'll give you a little more hope. A uh, little fun fact for you: West Virginia under Will, or uh, yeah, under Will Greer, still has not lost consecutive football games. So there you go. Uh, so that's a little. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, I guess. Uh, see how that plays out on Friday. Yeah, hope, think- hopefully that holds true for. His entire career. Oh, yeah. I think it will. All right. So, um, having said that, uh, I guess that kind of wraps up uh, talking numbers and talking about the matchups. Uh, let's talk X-Factor. Um, what is your X-Factor, uh, the thing that's going to be key for West Virginia to uh, 
pull out a victory in such a vital game against Oklahoma and go on to play in the Big 12 championship game. Um, X factor for you against the Sooners. Kyler Murray. How well we shut down Kyler Murray is going to be everything uh, about what we do on Friday. If we shut down him and, you know, in terms of running, I think we'll have a, a, a you know, a strong chance to win the game. But if he runs it down our throat like he has done all season to every other team and like other every, every other running quarterback that we faced, um, I don't think it's going to be good for West Virginia. So if we can stop him from running the ball and, uh, and, and keep him more passing the ball, that'll be uh, the deciding factor in this one, I believe. Right, I like that because – you know, if you can slow him down any, you know, just hope to contain him a little bit, you're you're doing all right because that's really something that hasn't been done. So, yeah, yeah. Having said that, um, my X factor is also a quarterback, but I'm going to go uh, Will Greer, the guy we just talked about. You know, um, not an X factor for the, the fact that he's going to sneak up on anybody, but the X factor to me because, one, he didn't get to play against Oklahoma last year. Um, you know, and then also, like we mentioned, it's his last game at Mountaineer Field. It's senior night. Um, he wants to go out on a high note, and I'm sure more than anything, he'd love to cement his legacy as being the first ever West Virginia quarterback to take them to the Big 12 championship game and finish first in the in the in the Big 12 conference, and be the first one to beat Oklahoma since joining the Big 12 as well. You know, get up, put him right up there with Jeff Hostetler who beat Oklahoma. Pat White, who beat Oklahoma, and then hopefully Will Greer, who beat Oklahoma. So if if Will Greer has a great game and, and does what he can do, and if it comes down to to a, a last you know minute drive with the ball in Will Greer's hands, I like West Virginia's chances. So my X factor's got to be Will Greer for this one. Uh, yeah, I like that too, and he'd definitely be in some great company if he uh, if he could pull it off too. Absolutely. So um, having having said that, I guess that it's the the moment of truth. Uh, Let's talk predictions. Uh, you know, winner goes to the Big 12 championship game. Um, trying to beat Oklahoma for the first time since joining the Big 12. Um, Friday night, night game in Morgantown. Senior night, primetime television. Um, spot in the Big 12 championship game on the line. What more do you can you ask for? West Virginia's right where they hoped they'd be at the end of this season. So what's going to happen Friday night, Stephen? What's your prediction for this one? Uh, you know, I've uh, uh, you know I've sounded negative, I guess, the whole podcast about West Virginia, and I've uh, I've been leaning towards Oklahoma winning this football game probably the majority of the week. Uh, but here lately, you know, I've been thinking about it, and I think that uh, you know the more I think about Will Greer playing his last game at Mountaineer Field, and the more I think about his uh, his toughness and his will to win, uh, no pun intended, mm-hmm. um, and also David Steele's and some of these other seniors, I don't. I don't. I don't see them losing this football game. I think both score. Both teams are going to have really, really good offensive games, and I think both teams are going to have really, really bad defensive games. But uh, I think the offenses are going to go at it, and I think it's going to be a one-point game. Um, I really expect them to go really high in this one. Both of them get more points than they scored all season. I think West Virginia wins at sixty-eight to sixty-seven. Wow. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah that, I, th- I thought I was going high in the score, but you even went um, no, man, higher I, than I, I did. I, <laughs> Bro, I, I've got them. Uh, I've got them in a showdown, man. I think it's going to be one to watch. It's going to be one to definitely remember. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of reminiscent of that uh, Baylor West Virginia game from 
few years ago with that score just about, you know. And in, if it's on a smaller stage, you could say, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Baylor absolutely. Was, I mean, Baylor was ranked, but they weren't. Uh, it wasn't this type of game. Yeah, this is this is probably the uh, biggest game West Virginia's had since joining the Big 12 and probably the biggest of Dana Holgerson's career, I'd say. But I, I could definitely see, um, you know, either team possibly breaking 60. It's definitely a possibility. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, having said that, you know, uh, uh, my prediction on this one, it's uh, like you said, I've it's 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 hard one to pick because you know what the fact that West Virginia hasn't beat Oklahoma. This Oklahoma defense, I mean, offense is so impressive, and you know Oklahoma State, West Virginia struggled to stop Taylor Cornelius and Kyler Murray's such a d- dynamic player having one of the best seasons in college football history. So it's it's hard to predict, but you know then there's those other points that we mentioned that kind of give me hope for West Virginia and. For whatever reason, I've got a good feeling about it in my gut that West Virginia may win this game because I think they can score with Oklahoma, with as bad as Oklahoma's defense is. And I think West Virginia's defense is slightly better, and they could get some stops. So I've got a good feeling in my gut. But having said that, I just I can't I can't pick the Mountaineers to win this one. You know, I I, I love to. I haven't picked against them all season on the podcast. But until they beat Oklahoma, it's kind of a, I got to see it to believe it uh, type of mentality. So. I went big on this one as well, and I've got it a one a one point game. Oklahoma winning fifty six to fifty five over the Mountaineers, but hoping that's not the case. And I and I truly got a good feeling about it though, um, in my gut that the Mountaineers are going to come out to play and try and go to the Big Twelve championship game. I think they're going to be fired up for this one. No, I definitely, I absolutely agree. I was, uh, I'm the same way with you. I didn't want to pick them. Didn't want to pick them until they actually beat Oklahoma. But uh, in the same token, I, I don't. I don't see Will Greer losing the consecutive games. I pointed that out earlier, and I've mm-hmm. noticed that since he's been here, uh, every single time that he's had that type of – he didn't even have a bad game last week, I think, that, but but he lost the game. And I think that eats away at him uh, in his mind throughout the whole week, and I think every single time that he's had even a subpar performance in any game or lost a game, he's came out that very next week and just lit the field up. And so I expect nothing less uh, – on, uh, this weekend. Absolutely, especially with as porous as this Oklahoma defense is. I think could be a game where we probably got a great chance of seeing Will Greer throw for a career high in yardage in a game. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup, and I think, you know, s- some things are starting to point in West Virginia's favor, and, and also the fact they're playing with nothing to lose. They're going to put all their cards on the table and go all in for this one, and, and you know, just lay it all on the line, hopefully, especially on senior night and, you know, trip to their first Big 12 championship game on the line. And, you know, they want to beat Oklahoma as well. So hoping for the best, and I think we'll see a hungry West Virginia team. Absolutely. I think we see uh, – I'll say it. I, if, we, if we had at least uh, within a score in the third quarter at any point, we win the ball game. I like, I like the sound of that. I, I do. History uh, – History can be made in Morgantown uh, Friday night, you know, and hopefully they do it. So um, I guess that pretty much will wrap up our Game 11 preview and the final regular season game of the season for the Mountaineers, and it's going to be a big one. Um, any final st- thoughts before we close this thing out, Stephen? No, brother. I think we pretty much hit, uh, hit it all, brother. Uh, I'm just, I'll be there. I'll be yelling my head off. Uh, if anybody hears this podcast, and, and it's going to be there too, uh, just – be there yelling too because we're going to need you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I should be a, should be a packed house and a pretty raucous crowd is what I'm um, hoping to see. So, um, Having said that, I guess this will wrap up the Country Roads webcast, our final regular season edi- edition. Hopefully um, 
Next week, we're doing a recap and a preview again of the Big 12 Championship game, hopefully, and not just a recap of this game. That's what we got our fingers crossed for here on the Country Roads webcast. But thank you guys for tuning in to the Country Roads webcast, brought to you by Trio 4 Productions. We are the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics and almostheavenathletics.com. For Stephen Vestal, I'm Jordan Cruz. Until next time, let's go Mountaineers. Are you ready to party? Country Roads.